Scotland, the land of destiny. Amen. I wrote a book called Scotland, Land of Destiny, and, I, and I'm feeling a prompting to do a follow-up, a volume two of that. Um, but um, we, we gather here. We don't just gather for Scotland. We gather for a wider dimension or sphere. But Scotland is where we're at. And I've become more convinced than ever this week that Scotland is where it all will begin. Not saying it won't be in other places, but what God wants to do on earth in the nations will begin in Scotland. I believe that. There are many prophecies about that. Richard Cameron, Peden, they saw that. Uh, many of the Covenanters, uh, you could say, um, we know Jean Darnall's vision. But we're going back to the Celtic saints. Um, you know, Scotland has always been the land of destiny. And I believe the last end time Elijah outpouring, we'll see it really begin in Scotland. We met with Stevie and Emma in Edinburgh this week. We've been uh, starting a program of going to key places, um, wells, if you like, just where, just where the Lord leads. And we just felt to go to Edinburgh. But we, we felt to go to the Market Cross, which is right behind St. Giles, but we met in St. Giles. So we said, well, we're in here and we'll, we'll, we'll do some praying first. Well, my goodness, the Lord really spoke to us and gave us a, a vision, um, which is very much in line with what we've looked at previously, but a deeper, a deeper and wider panoramic view of what the Lord wants to do in Scotland. And we were gripped by that. So we went out and then we did some decrees at the Market Cross, which is right behind St. Giles. You know, and St. Giles in many ways is the epicenter of the faith in Scotland because that's what was John Knox's church. And his house is just down the hill. And it's got connections to Holyrood, which means Holy Cross. And that's all connected with King David, not the, the biblical King David, but King David of Scotland. And there's just so much to it. But it's just so important for us, I think, to keep that vision. Without a vision, the people perish. And so we need to have that vision of Scotland on fire. And I want to say this, the vision that we received the other day was way beyond just a church thing, just beyond what we would call revival, you know, folks getting saved. It, it, it became, it, it touches the nation. And, and, and I'm going to say this, the vision we got, I don't believe we'd have got that anywhere else other than St. Giles, because that was where Knox preached from. And that was where his vision touched the nation. Now, John Knox wasn't just a church man, a preacher. What he did, he brought in education for children. He brought in, the Church of Scotland became the place you went to if you needed education for your children, health for your body, and, and healing, and it touched the whole social realm. Um, you know, it, what we call the parish or the poor relief, that all came from the church. You know, you didn't used to go to the brew if you didn't have a job, you went to the church if you didn't have money. If you needed health or healing or some kind of medicine, you went to church-sponsored health outlets. If you wanted your children educated, they went to schools run by the kirk. Amen? And I want to say this today. I know you're going to say, oh, pastor, pastor, the Church of Scotland is apostate. Knox would be turning in his grave. True. But friends, we need to pray for the Church of Scotland. There are still good Christian people and ministers in it on fire for God. And yeah, we just need to sweep out the dross. And there is dross there. But I want to speak today about this, this vision. And how do we access what John Knox walked in? Well, he certainly walked in the apostolic realm. He was an apostle of God. He was certainly a prophet of God. There are things about John Knox few people know. John Knox ministered to kings. 
you know, he ministered to the royal family. He, he actually spent a time as a chaplain down in England ministering to the royal house down there. He had a, a multifaceted ministry, but and you know, he was so mighty in God that even Calvin said of him, you know, that he was a mighty man. Uh, he was even more extreme in many ways than Calvin, and Calvin acknowledged this. And in a good way, not in a negative way. See, John Knox has been, there's had so much mud slung at him by religion, well, really by his opponents. Amen? But, but Knox, the man, was probably not the man that you've, you've heard of. But one thing is true about him, he was a man who, who did not fear the face of man. And we need preachers and Christians who don't fear the face of man. Can you imagine what Knox would have made of our present governmental situation? <laughs> Amen? I don't think he would have been too impressed. But we had a good time with Stevie and Emma. And then, of course, yesterday, Bert. And it's so good to, to be connected to men and women who are on fire for God and, and of course, in ministering with them. So we went for the purpose of prayer and prophetic decree over Scotland. And we got this revelation from the Lord. And I said, that revelation came from that well where John Knox preached. Now, St. Giles today, there's some dodgy stuff going on. But that's still a place, it's a well that needs to be dug out again. There are wells of revival and reformation all over Scotland. The preaching braes at Cambuslang, Kilsyth, different places. This place itself is a well where many great things happened in the past. And I believe God is uncapping a lot of the wells. You say, well, you know, you're talking about wells. You know, it's not the, no, it's not the building. And, you know, I was sharing this uh, yesterday online, and some guy came out, oh, you know, we just, it's just Jesus sort of anointing that we need to tap into and all this, right? What we have to understand is, you know, we are not trying to um, seek a John Knox anointing. As in John Knox the man. Does that make sense? You know, it's not, oh well, uh, you know, it's not individual anointings. Ma we're really talking about mantles. Mantles are portals and dimensions of glory and anointing and authority and ministry that God has given in the past to men like Columba, to men like St. Patrick. We're speaking about Patrick yesterday. To men like John Knox, Wishart, Rutherford. They walked in dimensions and mantles of power and authority, they're still accessible to, to us and our generation, and even more so. And, and the, the greatest biblical advantage, example of that is Elijah. Elijah walked in a realm of power, and the man that followed him doggedly was Elisha. And Elijah said, what do you want me to do for me when I'm going? He says, well, I want double what you've got. I want double. Amen. You see, God wants boldness. Oh, I want double what John Knox walked in. Now, there's a price to pay. And Elijah said, if you're with me, if you see me when I go, you can have it. Which meant, you just follow close to me, son. Because if you're off at Tesco buying the groceries, or you're visiting a relative, or, you know, you're doing something else, when I go, it ain't happening. So we must follow closely. We pursue, we seek. And, of course, it happened, and the, the mantle fell upon Elisha, and he walked in double what Elijah had. So, in other words, there's a mantle that we can receive from previous ministries, prophets, men of God, women of God. There are mantles. And that Elijah mantle keeps going on because in the Malachi chapter 4, it speaks about the end of the age. It speaks about the last days. And it says in the last days, the, the Elijah ministry will restore families. 
We'll restore the sons to the fathers and the fathers to the sons. It will be a family healing ministry, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. In other words, there's an Elijah. That Elijah mantle keeps going on. Oh, but we're in the new covenant now. These Listen, things that God inaugurates in the earth, many of them, particularly mantles and outpourings upon a ministry or a minister, they're there for a purpose. And, and the Elijah mantle in these last days, the purpose is to restore families. Isn't that good news? What we have to understand is, is that we have a government here in Scotland that hates the family. What's God's answer to that? The Elijah ministry. The restoration of the family. Fathers to the sons, sons to the fathers. Okay, that's not just a masculine thing. It means the healing of families. The bringing back together of families that have been rent asunder by evil, by sin, and, and I don't mean just wickedness. What I try, try to say is living in the world that we live in, families burst up. But God restores families. That's his purpose. And that's a massive part of the end times. The disintegration of the family unit by all these woke policies. See, woke just simply means anti-family. And it means anti-Christ. Anti the anointing. You see, the Bible says that unity is like the anointing that flows down Aaron's beard. So unity and anointing, in God's mind, are the same thing. The anointing brings unity. And look at how our nation has been divided by separatists who don't just want to break up the nation. They want to break up the family. Their whole thing is divisive. It's anti the anointing of unity. Anti-anointing is antichrist. But you know, that's why we need men like Knox. Yeah, I believe Knox walked in an Elijah anointing, don't you? So we need that dimension again. And it's not just a man, oh, John Knox, oh, oh, John, don't, don't, oh, he offends people. Blah, 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 blah. Friends, what John Knox walked in? What Wishart walked in? What the Covenanters walked in? What men like John Alexander Dowie, another Edinburgh-born preacher? <laughs> See, we Edinburgh-born preachers are just different class. Amen? It's good to be out amongst all you savages in, in Glasgow preaching and doing missionary work. <laughs> wells of reformation wells of revival they're all over Scotland and, and it, it's not about territory is vital and I believe God has given if you like wells and, and mantles in specific areas you know you go to the preaching braze at Canvas Lang if, there's, if you're at all spiritual the minute you walk in to that park oh Oh, it's hundreds of years ago. It's just a man. He just preached. No, friends. A portal to glory was opened. Amen? And it's the same when you go to different places. If you're sensitive, you know God's moved here. Uh, we, we got it when we went to um, Struthers and, and get it every time we go there. When Hugh Black was, was the pastor there. Why? Because God is, is territorial. You know, God, the Bible says that Jesus inherits the nations. Nations are territories that have agreed boundaries and borders. Okay? And God likes that. God likes that there are separate nations. That's his idea. It's man that wants to all come together and globalist one one, one, you know, one, uh, one world government, one world bank. It's man's idea to do that. We need kingdom in Scotland. What was the whole point of the, the battle between the Covenanters and the Stuart Kings? Was that the Covenanters understood that the kingdom of Scotland was to be ruled over by King Jesus. 
and that the earthly king was to bow the knee to him. But the Stuart kings didn't like that. They wanted to be the supreme king. And what was the battle over? Heritage and sovereignty. So we need to understand today that when Jesus came and says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, what he was saying was the kingdom of God is to be over all other kingdoms. And that was the great battle of the covenanters. It was a battle Knox faced before it during the Reformation when he fought Mary Queen of Scots and, and the supremacy of the Pope. Because Knox's vision was very simple. Jesus rules and reigns over Scotland. Christ must reign. Uh, we'll get to my scripture eventually. The spirit of John Knox is still in Scotland. I have to say this. Since we went to St. Giles on Wednesday, I feel that John Knox has fallen me around. I don't want to shake it, but I can't shake it. Now, I'm not talking, oh, were you talking about the ghost of John No, I'm not talking about the ghost of a man. I'm talking about a mantle. I'm talking about the spirit of John Knox from the point of view of what God put on John Knox. I want to say this to you right now. What God put on John Knox, he wants to put on everybody here and any other believer that will receive it. It's a nation-taking anointing. It's a nation-taking mantle. It's a nation-taking mindset. It's a nation-taking uh, paradigm where you look at Scotland and you say, I will not rest. Give me Scotland or I'll die. Okay? It's not just, oh, we know that prayer. We, we know I, I, that, I was known for that. You know, we need to get out of that mindset of, oh, we know that. We need to get into the place where we're walking it. Give me Scotland, Elsa. What he was trying to say was, I'm so gripped with the vision of Scotland for Jesus that if I don't see it, I'm going to die. I don't mean the ghost of John Knox, the man. I mean the apostolic mantle or the paradigm that he walked in. There are dimensions of the John Knox anointing, friends, and the ministry he walked in and the authority he functioned from that are accessible to us in this generation, and I would hasten to say, greater realms of it. Yes, we, we know that people talk about all mantles, or the mantle of Wigglesworth and that. We know that there can be a kind of, people talk about it and it's a kind of trite thing, it's a kind of a, you know, you know, people just think they can stroll up and get someone's mantle. Oh, I, I prayed the Lord would give me, uh, the mantle of Wigglesworth, and now I've got it. Well, you know, that's good if that's really happening. But I want to tell you this, there's a price to pay. You don't just stroll up, roll up. Um, yeah, you know, it's not a supermarket. It's not an Amazon in the spit. I'll have a John, I'll have a, the Wigglesworth anointing, and I'll have the, uh, the oh, 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 I like that guy. Oh, yeah, John G. Lake, that'll do. It's not like that, folks. Oh, just send it down. Yeah, Amazon Prime, yeah, I'll have it by tomorrow. Yeah, I'll sign up for Prime so I can have it sooner. Folks, it doesn't work like that. Amen. And let me just say this, it's not, like we, we heard last week, it doesn't come from bawling and squalling and you understand, oh, well, I need to go on a 40-day fast. It's not that. It's setting yourself apart. I teach at Bible College. On leadership, and, and it's very, how do I become a leader? Very, very simple. Take responsibility. The minute you take responsibility, you're a leader. The minute you say, you know, Scotland and revival, that's not my pastor's responsibility. That's not the responsibility of that intercession group. That's my responsibility. You just became a leader. Because leadership is responsibility. And John Knox took responsibility, didn't he? For the nation. You know, intercession will do that. I'm going to read a couple of things in Scripture. Let me just finish this. We looked at the, the Elijah ministry and how it passes on, and we'll see that in the last days, the, the days we're living in. We see the need for it. The anointing will always respond to a need. 
if there's a great need. You know, and I know some of you are burdened with this, with, it, with what's going on with our government and the assault on the family, the assault on identity, gender, all that. And it grieves your heart. But when you see the need, you, you have to understand God has the answer there. And the answer is always, always, always the anointing. God gives the anointing to meet the needs of humanity. Our need in Scotland is not just for revival, it's for reformation. Not only in the church, but in the nation. See, when we just reduce it to the church, we have to understand, I think Bert said it last week, it's one of my favorite ways of looking at it. As goes the church, so goes the nation. The nation's in a mess because the church is in a mess. If you reform the church, you'll, you'll transform the nation. If you reform the church of Jesus Christ, you will transform the nation of Scotland. One follows the other. It cannot, though, and you know, Steve and I were talking about this, and he, so, he said it's so true. It cannot happen without the true expression of the apostolic and the prophetic. You see, it took an ox to take Scotland. It took a, an apostle of God and a prophet of God. The church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. I, I have to say this, pastors won't do it. Evangelists won't do it. The greatest teachers in the church will not do it. It takes apostolic and prophetic foundation to reform the church and thus transform the nation. Knox wasn't just, oh, he's a preacher. Oh, that guy, that, that guy he's a preacher. He's on God TV. No, no. John Knox was, was sent as much to the nation as he was to the church because he was an apostle. We need to understand that what we do in church doesn't just affect and impact the nation. We need to understand that in Scotland in particular, I, I, listen, I, other places, let them fend for themselves. But I know this about Scotland. What we do in Scotland as God's people has, is designed by God to create the Scotland that God wants in the earth. Not what all these other people want. And just because they got voted in, and just because they have the, the, the power just now, God will give us the clout here in Scotland as the people of God that they will fear our displeasure. Hallelujah. We're not going to be tyrannical about it. We're not going to be, but I'll tell you what, you know, you step lightly around John Knox. Because he feared the face of no man, and he'd rebuke you. And let me tell you, you don't want a rebuke from a man with that level of power and authority on him. You don't want a rebuke from that. You can get a rebuke from, from pastors, and you just shrug it off. There's people you, get, you, can, you can tell you off, you're like, ah, okay. But if John Knox rebuked you, you walk lightly for a while. That level and dimension of apostolic authority and power is coming back to Scotland. And I want to say this, it's not just Scotland for Jesus, it will be Scotland for the body of Christ. And I remember, I remember the night in the prayer meeting over at Victory. I've shared this with you before, I'm sure. And as, as I was in prayer, I, I, I could see the top of the building at Victory. And I saw two angels. And they, they had, in the spirit, they had a flagpole. And, and around the flagpole was a banner. And one stood and held it. And the other took this, the, 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 the banner and flew across the city of Glasgow with a banner. And on the banner it said, Property of the Body of Christ. Glasgow belongs to the body of Christ. Glasgow belongs to Jesus. Glasgow belongs to Zion. You understand? This city is not for the devil. This city is not for wickedness. This city is for the Lord. Amen. The Zion of the Holy One of Israel. 
And yet it's not just Glasgow. I believe anybody can make their city that. And that's what I saw that night. The end result of the apostolic and prophetic ministry will be the glorious manifestation of the many visions of earth-shaking revival that we speak about, we pray for, we long for, and that have been seen by many over the years from Richard Cameron to John McPhee and Jean Darnall and many others. Many lesser-known names have seen this great revival in Scotland, from Scotland. That, I think it was Cameron that said, one of the covenants, I think it was Cameron, would go to the very gates of Babylon and pull it down. That globalist power that is in so many of the confederations and nations right now, the EU, EU Babel, and that wicked manifestation of it, that foul thing, that World Economic Forum, and that Bond villain that runs it. You know, Ian Fleming knew what he was doing. The wee baldy man with the queer clothes and the wee white cat. Amen. That's all Claus Schwab is missing, isn't it? A white cat. He's got the, the hairstyle and he's got the, the, the clobber. Amen. He just needs a white cat and he will be Ernest von Blofeld. For those of you who know what that means, and if you're Bond fans. The glory of God is rising in Scotland and no darkness will be able to stop it or overwhelm it. I will build my ecclesia and the gates of hell will not prevail, Jesus said. Divine governance and kingdom government is coming to this land of Scotland. The ends of the earth here in Scotland and the rest of the British Isles will see the salvation of our God. We need to believe for that, friends. You've heard the question, I have too. Where are the John Knoxes in Scotland today? Well, I want to say this, I believe I'm looking at some of them. Hallelujah. Amen. Because I believe that mantle is caught. And if you want to catch it today, I believe you can. It's not catching it from, from Bill McMurdo. It's catching it from the Spirit of God. There's an open invitation. You know, you don't have to accept, oh, these men only come along once in a while. They only come along once in a while because people won't take responsibility to receive that man. Nobody's saying here you have to, you have to be exactly like John Knox because, you know, not all of us can grow a big long beard. It's not about imitating a man. It's about receiving the dimension of glory and anointing that that man walked in or that woman walked in. You know, if you look at, again, Mariah Woodworth Etter, arguably the greatest minister in terms of authority and power and, 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 and so on in, in the whole of the church, of church history. So much so that John Alexander Dowie reputedly Went a wee bit off being because he was jealous of what she walked in. Then, then that was followed by Amy Semple McPherson, who caught that mantle, I believe, and then Catherine Kilman. See, mantles are dimensions. They're realms that you can walk in. You know, it's functions that God gives and says, you know, if you qualify to walk in this, you can do what previous people that walked in it can do. Does that make sense? Um, and qualification is dedication. If you want to be the best, if you want to beat the rest, dedication is what you need. Remember that? <laughs> I, I don't remember the name of the program. Anyway. Record breakers. If you want to be the best, if you want to beat the rest, dedication's what you need. But you know, that's how you get a mantle. That's how you get an empowering. And we all have it as individuals, but God's saying, you know, I need to take this nation. 
Who's up for that? I'm up for that. Well, I've got, I've got an equipping. I've got an anointing for you to walk in. But you're going to have to be, uh, you're going to have to dedicate. You're going to have to be, when it says beat the rest, you're going to have to be more dedicated than the rest. Because if you just settle, oh, I'm, I'm happy. I like the church to go to. I like going to the meetings. That's fine. But that won't take a nation. God is looking for a group of men and women and children who will take a nation. Well, praise the Lord. Anyway, where are the John Knoxes of today? This, of course, reminds you of the occasion when Elisha, having just seen his mentor departing in a whirlwind up to heaven, picked up the mantle of Elijah, struck the water and said, where's the Lord God of Elijah? See, it's not about Elijah. Elisha knew enough to know it's not about Elijah. It's not Elijah the man. It's the Lord. Where's the Lord God of Elijah? You see, our question today isn't, oh, where's John Knox? John Knox is in the glory. <laughs> he ain't coming back. And if, and if he appears to you, rebuke it because it ain't him. Okay? It's not where's the John Knoxes of today. It's where's the God of John Knox in Scotland today? Where's that mantle that John Knox walked in? Is it still accessible? Is it still available? Can I receive it? Can I walk in a dimension of it? Can I, can I have double it, please? We're not talking here about a ministry anointing to just have a church or be an evangelist or, or have a successful ministry or have a, you know, and I've got a great website. We're not talking about that dimension of ministry. We're talking about where is the John Knox mantle that will take Scotland for Jesus? And where is the Lord God of John Knox? See, John Knox stepped off the boat. He'd been traveling all over. He'd been to Geneva. He'd out-Calvin, Calvin. He'd preached to kings. He'd preached to, you know, he was a galley slave. I mean, he had a tumultuous life, just like Paul. But in the last 10 years of his life, he came back to Scotland, and it was reformation or death. And there's only a small handful of people. There was only a small band he had around him. How are you going to take Scotland, John? You only have a few followers. And the nation's in turmoil. And all those pro-de-Catholic wars, they've really, they've, Scotland's a mess, John. And you want to take it for Jesus. Hmm. Ten years later, John Knox said, God rained men upon us. A mighty reformation, a mighty revival. People came. There was a gathering. But it didn't start with crowds and hordes and throngs and multitudes and mega churches. It didn't start with that. It started with a faithful few who walked in John Knox's mantle, his covering, his anointing. And friends, you and I might be, a, and, but we're not the only remnant folks. There are other people out there. But you, you have to say of the, the body of Christ is greatly maybe reduced in number compared, certainly reduced in clout. And a lot of Christians are just nominal, aren't they? Or just lukewarm. So the remnant is small, but friends, what we're looking for is multitudes. We're looking for God to reign men upon us in Scotland. Not so we can have big churches. That's not the point of it. That's the fruit of it. The point of it is Scotland for Jesus. The glory of God engulfing Scotland and the British Isles. I don't even know if I'm ever going to get to my scriptures today. Who will pick up the John Knox mantle in Scotland today? Although we have seen many moves of God and some outstanding ministers of the gospel, we've seen no one individual step into the gigantic footprints put down by John Knox. And I'm not saying today that's what we're looking for either. Oh, we need a new Knox. No, friends, we all need to be John Knox. Does that make sense? This is not... It's like when we talk about Elijah, 
in Malachi. He's not talking about, oh, the prophet, uh, the prophet Elijah's coming back. He's saying that Elijah mantle will be walked in by God's people. We need a John Knox mantle that the corporate body of Christ walks in in Scotland. Amen? It's not, let's find a guy and make him John Knox. Let's build him up. Let's puff him up. Amen? Because let me tell you, this is not about a man. It's not about a woman. It's about a corporate body. God's shown what he can do through one man. What can he do through a corporate body of men and women and children? Knox wasn't just a man who impacted the church. He was a great preacher and theologian. Of course, he'd been a priest. Highly esteemed by his peers and respected by no less than Calvin himself, as I said. Who's said to have envied Knox's fervency and boldness. Imagine John Knox. Imagine John Calvin saying, wish I was like that guy. Wish I was like him. Yet Knox's reach and other and effect, sorry, on events was much greater. It went beyond the church, is what I mean. John Knox did what few have done in history and what many aspire to do today as a Christian leader with indisputable apostolic authority and charisma. He traversed his own sphere of influence to reach into other spheres. He took what he carried in God out of the church and into the seven mountains of culture, education, government, health. He touched the whole of Scottish society and transformed it because what he carried within him was not just for the four walls of church. He did penetrate, in fact, he conquered the seven mountains. He took a nation. See, we're not talking, when we talk about revival, other countries can have revival. I, I, let me just say this to you. Other countries can have revival. They can have thousands getting saved. They can have churches full. They can have all of that. But I tell you this, our task in Scotland is not that. It's greater than that. It's to take the nation of Scotland for Jesus. And to show in the earth what a kingdom government will do. Let me just say this to you. The politicians will be swept aside. They'll actually become almost meaningless. Because what the church says will go in Scotland. And I'm not talking about a Protestant popery. You know, I'm against popery. Even Catholic ones. There's loads of Protestant popes, aren't there? There's loads of people in Scotland, in the church, sorry, in the Protestant church, that are more powerful than some of the popes in the Catholic church. Amen. And it's, oh, my word goes. Pastor says you can't have your skirts, you know, above your ankles. Pastor says the women must wear hats. Pastor says the men are not allowed to have beards. I know, <laughs> I know of a church in America that if you have a beard, you're of the devil. If you're a man, if you're a woman, that's another problem. <laughs> but if you grow a beard, you can't be in their pulpit. That's popery, isn't it? That's some guys made up these rules and laws. You understand? We're not talking about the church being the big control freak organization. But we are talking about dominion. Kingdom dominion in the earth. And saying, you want to do what? You want to bring in that law? Think again. Amen. And in fact, we get, get to a place where they won't even dare think about bringing in the law that says there are 78 genders. Let me get to my, my, my scripture. I don't like preaching without having a text. So I'm going to get to two scriptures very quickly. I'm going to be coming back to this John Knox business. Because this is what the Lord wants from us. We're gathering here to receive something from heaven. And we looked at some of that last week. We laid the foundations of it when we looked at prayer and the fact that we're not praying as beggars. And you think John Knox begged God? Right? Give me Scotland, else I die, was not a begging prayer. It was, I am in agony to receive this nation from you, or I'm going to die here. Who put that in his heart? 
Who put that on? Well, we're going to read that scripture. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 32. Two scriptures to show you. I shared a little bit in this the other night um, at Bible college. Because let me tell you something. What's the price to pay for taking the nation? Let me tell you the price that you must pay to take a nation. Let me tell you the price that John Knox paid. Let me tell you the price that Moses paid. We're about to read it. When you say, Lord, give me Scotland or I die, or give me this nation or I die, here's what God will say. Do you want it? Here it is. And he will put it in your heart. He will put a nation in your heart. He will put Scotland in your heart. Until We talk about carrying a burden. Okay? Oh, I've got a burden for this. I've got a burden for that. Let me just say this. Give me Scotland. or You will get Scotland in your heart. And you will have no rest. We're talking intercession. We're not talking intercession that a lot of people beg and squall and bawl and, oh Lord, we're not talking that. We're talking about God saying, I will put this nation in your heart so that even if it gets to the place where you have to argue with me. Amen. Amen. Moses argued with God. God says, go out my road, I'm going to wipe them out, I'll build a nation out of you, I'm going to kill them. And, and, and Moses said, you ain't doing that, you're not doing that. Just think of what people will say. They'll say you brought this people out of Egypt and you couldn't sustain them in the wilderness. You, they will say you're a weak God. You're not destroying them. You know, you and I would have said, Amen, give me some good folks. Said that the other night. If the Lord came to most pastors and says, I'll destroy all the congregation and give you a new one. Amen, Lord. How, how quickly can you do it? Get rid of all those non-productive. Amen. Give me some tithers. Give me some good people. Give me some people that want to put a new roof on the church. Amen. Not those grumblers and complainers and moaners. Give me some good congregation, Lord. Most pastors would have said yes. And God said to Moses, get, oh, get rid of all that mob. And Moses said, oh, no, 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 no. Why? The nation was in its heart. He started arguing with God. And, and if you go and read it, Numbers chapter 14, Moses won the argument. How did he win it? He reminded God, Lord, you're not the God of just, I know you're the God of judgment. I know that, I know that. I know you're the God of judgment. But you are the God of mercy. He reminded God that mercy comes in God's mind and heart before judgment. Mercy, he says, no, no, Lord, you, you're the God of mercy. You show mercy. And you know, the Lord says, yeah, 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 yeah. You've, 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 you've corrected my thinking, Moses. I'm back on the mercy thing. I was getting, you know, it's like, I was sharing the other night, it's like road rage. Hands up if you've ever had road rage. Amen. And what happens after the road rage? You come to your senses, don't you go, you know, I was a wee bit, I shouldn't have shouted to that guy. I shouldn't have gestured to that guy. And I said this the other night, and it's true, it's, every time I put a dog collar on for any reason, and I'm in the car, instantly, some idiot makes me angry. But when you come to your senses, oh no, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm, not that, I'm not that guy, I'm not that person who, who's hanging at the window shouting. And that's what Moses did that to God. God was enraged at these people. And Moses says, hold on, don't be that God. Be the God of mercy. And we see it here, yeah. Exodus 32. And verse 30, this is when they made the golden calf. Verse 30, it came to pass in the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye've sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord, peradventure, or maybe, just maybe, I shall make an atonement for your sin. In other words, maybe God will allow me to sort this out. Perhaps I can make an atonement. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Look what he says. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, have mercy upon them, Lord, in other words. And if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. Moses is saying, if you'll spare them, if you'll show mercy to them, I'll forego 
my salvation. You can blot me out. Take me. Blot me out of your book, but forgive them. That is intercession. That is having a nation in your heart that you would rather be estranged from God than see the people that God has given you, the nation that God has entrusted to you, in your heart, fall under judgment or be lost or perish. That's what God is looking for. That's the price you pay. Not that, oh well, you'll be lost forever, but Scotland will be saved. That's not it. But having that heart of intercession, that you would rather lose your salvation, you would rather lose your name in the book of life than see the nation that God has put in your heart perish in judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In other words, a heart for the nation is a heart of mercy. And people say, oh, John Knox, he was a heart smile. Friends, if John Knox didn't have this heart, God would not have given him Scotland. If Moses didn't have this heart, God would not have said, lead my people and tell Pharaoh, set my people free. <coughs> now Moses had that. And look what it says, look what God's response says. The Lord said unto Moses, whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore now go, lead the people unto the place of which I have spoken unto thee. He said to Moses, you passed the test, son. You put the nation before your very own existence. That's intercession. It's not going to pray me, oh Lord, bless this land, we pray thee. Oh Lord, send revival. Oh Lord, oh wait a minute, hold on. Oh, I need to get out of here, I've got things to do. Friends, when you put the nation before everything about you, including your very own existence, you qualify to take a nation because you pass the intercession test. You pass the test that God says, I can put my nation in your heart. It's a safe place so that you'll even argue with me. You'll even tell me. Now, God's not looking for, for us all. Oh, well, I'll just sacrifice. Not the falseness of it, the heart of it. And let me just say this. This is another scripture to look at. Romans chapter 9. It's not an old covenant thing. Yes, but that was the Old Testament when things were different, Pastor. Don't you know that they were under the law? Don't you know that that was Old Covenant thinking you're bringing here? Yes, that level of intercession was required back in those times. But we're in a new dispensation. Well, under that new dispensation, which is a better covenant, let's look at the Apostle Paul. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. The same nation, by the way, but a different covenant. And Paul was a man steeped in the law of Moses. He was steeped in everything that God gave to Moses, to, to Moses sorry, so much so that he was reputed to be the successor to Gamaliel the great teacher of the law. Paul was a mighty man among the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And look what he says. This is Paul, of course, after he was Saul and when he was uh, a, a preacher of the gospel, an apostle of Christ. Look what it says. Romans chapter 9. See, I, I put it to you, this was what, what John Knox was in his heart. This is why John Knox could take Scotland. This is why jo we talk about John Knox today at, 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 with, with, a, with a reverence. Because John Knox walked in that dimension. He paid the price. And you and I need to say today, Am I, can I pay the price? To have a heart like John Knox, to have a heart like these people. To have a heart like men who would rather be tied to a burning stake than renounce Christ 
or would go to the gallows cheerfully and willingly to glorify Christ by the offering of their lives. See, the John Knox mantle doesn't come to charismatic Christians. The John Knox mantle doesn't come to 21st century seeker-sensitive churches. The John Knox mantle doesn't come to casual once-a-week Christianity. Amen. Nothing against the charismatic movement, but I'm talking about that light, fluffy, you know, Jesus is my best pal. I got saved. You know, and, and now I'm reading my message Bible. Amen. <laughs> and, and, you know, I've come to know the Lord quite a bit. Friends, come on. Romans chapter 9, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. In other words, Paul, what he's saying is here, I ain't kidding here, friends. I'm not just saying things. I'm not singing a chorus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm not singing a chorus here. I say the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience, in other words, the Holy Ghost is my witness. That what I'm about to tell you, I mean it. That I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. There's the price. When you're driving along the road and you start weeping in your car and you don't even know what for, but, but you know what for. In other words, it's the nation. And you're weeping. Or you get up in the middle of the night and you've just got to put something in Facebook because your spirit is grieved. Something in you is saying to you, you must respond. Because it's not a happy place in your spirit. It's great heaviness, continual sorrow. I'm not here today, well, I'm a word of faith preacher, but I'm not here today to, to talk about happy times in the Lord to take Scotland for Jesus. You will never have happy times if you take this mantle or the responsibility of Scotland upon you until Scotland is fully given over to Jesus. <coughs> I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, Paul says. And the, by the way, the Holy Ghost is, is my witness. For I could wish myself were accursed from Christ. Hands up today if you want to be accursed from Christ. Nobody. Nobody in their right mind. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If you're a nation taker for Scotland, uh, for Jesus, if you want to take Scotland for Jesus, you need to step out of your right mind and become a madman. And now what they said about, he's a madman. That John Knox was a fanatic. He was a zealot. He was a madman. He was crazy. That's what they said about Paul. This guy used to be one of us. He was number one on the booking circuit to speak at the synagogue. And now he's one of these crazy Jesus freaks. I could wish myself were accursed from Christ or my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, my fellow countrymen, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and so on, the service of God, and so on. He says, and what, he's, what he means by that is, if I could win my countrymen, my brethren, my fellow Israelites according to the flesh, if I could win them, I would gladly be a curse from Christ. Blot me out of the book of life, Lord. Now, of course, God didn't answer that prayer. It wasn't the prayer. It was the heart. Paul reached a place that Moses reached. And by the way, Moses was persecuted by the people he led. They often spoke about stoning him and electing a new leader. How would you like to get into church as a pastor? And they said, well, we've had a meeting and we want a new pastor. You can stay right now until we get one. A lot of guys just say, well, I'll tell you what, there you go. I'm out. That's what they did to Moses. It was worse for Paul. 
stoned him, beat him, thrashed him within an inch of his life, left him for dead. Now, imagine doing that. You'd be hunting a new congregation. You'd be hunting a new audience. You'd be saying, well, I'll tell you what, I'm finished with these Jews. I'm, I'm going to find me some Gentiles. Amen? I don't like these Jews because they beat me up. They, killed, they almost killed me. Some people think they actually did kill him and he was raised. No, Lord, I could wish myself accursed from Christ for the sake of my brethren. We're talking deep things here today. I'm going to bring us to a close, folks. We're talking deep things today. We're talking about a depth, a level of intercession. See, you can receive the John Knox mantle. You can receive it. You can receive it right now sitting where you are. I believe that. I believe God released it in the earth. But you won't receive it unless you receive that the nation in your heart to the depth. But Moses and Paul, you'll say, I no longer matter. One bit. Even my, even my eternity doesn't matter. That's what both of them are. Even my eternity. I would forsake my eternity. I'd lay my, see, you can lay your life down as a martyr. And lose your body and go into glory. And, you know, that, that is an amazing thing. There's a reward for that. But these men took martyrdom beyond even that because in their hearts they said, Moses and Paul, they said, I'll, I'll, I'll lose my eternity if Lord you'll do. And, of course, the Lord said, that's not, that's not going to happen. But the heart... There's an intercession. We're not talking about intercession. And I'll close with this. I need to say this. And we'll, we'll come back to this thing another time. Maybe next week. We're not talking about intercession whereby you say, oh, well, I'll do it. I'll give eight hours a day, four days a week, five days a week, or whatever, every day of the week. We're not talking about becoming an intercessor like that. It's not about what you do. It's not about saying, well, I'll intercede, you know, I'll give God, I'll get up and, and, and pray from two till five in the morning. It's not about making that kind of, because everybody's done that. We've all been there, we've all been that, like, oh, we hear a, a testimony, oh, I'm going to be like them, I'm going to pray 10 hours a day. It's not about that. God's not asking you to do that. He may ask certain people to do that. What he's saying here today is, will you, if you want to take a nation, will you receive that nation in your heart? If you want to take Scotland for Jesus, will you be somebody that I can put Scotland in your heart? That 24 hours a day, when you're sleeping, when you're waking, whatever you're doing, when you're at your job, when you're at the supermarket, whatever you do, wherever you go, you will be walking with the nation of Scotland <coughs> within you, in your heart, and you will agree that you'll have great heaviness and continual sorrow until the Scotland that I purpose in the earth is manifest before your eyes. Will you receive that? Because that's what the price to pay, that is the price to pay for that mantle. Some of you already have it, and I will say this as well. Some of us have it in a measure. Amen? For some people, God gives a measure of it and then it increases that measure. As, as, but you have to have the commitment to say, I'll give it to me, Lord. And you'll, you'll be standing in the aisle as you're thinking about, Oh, is it, will I get peas or beans to go with the, the, uh, you know, the pies tonight? And you start weeping. You'll be talking to somebody about mundane things. And you, and you start wailing. Because you've received something from God. Deep cries out to deep. And you'll know what it is. You might not know the specifics, but you'll know. Something in me in my spirit I've picked up from the Lord. The intercession. And sometimes you, you'll have to go away and intercede. But other times you'll know that you're already in intercession. Because the spirit groans with words that cannot be uttered. Will you receive that from the Lord? Will, will you? Don't make a cat. Oh, yes. Well, I, I need to show everybody I'll receive that. Friends, only do this when you're fully. And you know, I'm not saying 
None of you have done that. Um, maybe all of you already have. But we're not just speaking here to, to this group. This goes out. So whoever's listening to this on podcasts, YouTube, whatever, it's a price to pay. I believe God is calling people. There's a mantle. This, it's available to you. But you have to pay the price. Amen. This is, this is for beyond the ordinary. You know, you say, oh, are you talking about an elite? Yes, I am. But let me just tell you this. If you're a casual Christian, you don't want to be part of this. Because this will break you. If a nation breaks you and makes you actually, in a sense, worthless. You see, give me Scotland else a die was John Knox's way of saying, I might be a great preacher. You might have sent me into kings. I might be the pastor of St. Giles. I might be the founder of the Church of Scotland. I might be looked up to and feared by my peers. But I am nothing. I am a broken, worthless wretch of a vessel unless Scotland turns to you. That's the heart of give me Scotland or else I die. But he's, he's not saying, oh Lord, I'm, I'm feeling I'd like Scotland. Oh. And I, he's saying, if it doesn't happen, if you don't give me this nation, everything is worthless to me. I'll die a broken man. Father, we just receive your word this morning. It's not a light thing. It's not something that we esteem lightly as we come to you this morning. Understanding that this calling to take Scotland is not just happy clappy times, Father. It's not just uh, you know, all sweetness and light. It's not ripe cherries falling from a tree. It's travail. It's heartache. It's sorrow. Until we see it because, Father, like a woman in labor, travailing till the birth, we will not be satisfied until we see Scotland completely deluged with kingdom glory with gospel glory, till we see Scotland fully yours. Lord, not just the other nations where there's a great move of God, and, and you know, but nothing really happens politically and economically and otherwise, and socially, and transformation. Lord, without that, Scotland is not fully a kingdom nation. Scotland for Jesus is our heart cry. A kingdom of God-centric Scotland is our goal and objective. Scotland engulfed with the glory of God, like Isaiah chapter 60. That is our vision. And Father, we pray this day, Lord, I just pray for everybody listening to this, here in this room, and Lord, also, who, who are hearing it out there, Lord, online and so on. Father, I just pray that there be a true response in the hearts of people, that each and every one of us myself included, would make that dedication, Father, to say, Lord, give us our nation, else we die. In other words, Lord, our life has no meaning unless we see this nation completely under the Lordship and the kingship of the Lord Jesus. We declare and proclaim that Jesus is Lord over Scotland this day. But Lord, that is our faith declaration. That is our proclamation. But Lord, we long for the manifestation of it. We long, Lord, that it's no longer just a, a fact in terms of eternity. But Lord, it is also a present moment manifest reality. Let us see that. Let us walk in it. And for everyone here, Lord, I do pray that they would receive that mantle. It's freely given. Lord, it's not about begging and squalling for it. We only have to receive it. But we have to say, Lord, when we do receive it, yes, I receive that. And I will pay the price, whatever it is, to see Scotland bow the knees. Not some people, but Scotland as a country, as a nation, 
and the British Isles bow the knee to Jesus Christ. Amen.